the teaching ministry of Judah Olorimaye, a man called of God to compel consecration, provoke repentance, and inspire worship by the preaching and teaching of God's word and the miraculous demonstration of God's power. God's word is about to hit you as light and strength. Get ready for an encounter with grace. 16 and verse 1 to 4. Now read this in the King James and then take if you, one other version, maybe the NLT, but let's do the King James verse 4. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whosoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality into Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Let's have the NLT, please. Regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I give to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So please note, put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gifts to Jerusalem. So they will, like middlemen who would carry the gift and go to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate, not the word appropriate, for me to go along, they can travel with me. Hallelujah. So I'm teaching tonight on financial ethics for ministry. Financial ethics for ministry. This is not just about pulpit ministry. And even if it's not just, even if it's about pulpit ministry, as a Christian, you must learn this concept so that when you see nonsense, you can know this is nonsense. And when you um, have the opportunity to probably shape the mentality of people around you that may be in ministry, you can also help them. Because some help may not necessarily be gotten from the pulpit. You who have been taught these things can help other people who are going to do ministry, who are doing ministry, who are friends to you. Are we clear with that? Financial ethics for ministry. Let's quickly pray. Lord, we trust that your word will come strongly and clearly. Let it be unto us according to your intentions and purpose. We will never be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. When we speak about ethics, we're talking about a behavior that is fitting or appropriate, uh, not just in the sight of God, but in the sight of men. The emphasis of ethics is not just what God can see, but what men can see. The concept of ministry is primarily unto God. A minister is a servant of God. Those who are doing ministry are serving God. However, ministry would always involve men. And so, to ensure that you are not just clear in the sight of God, you must learn the ethical principles 
of ministry concerning every subject. It was the school of ministry I was teaching them um, last week there about something as simple as dressing. You can go off the etiquette. The other day I was in a church, just a white garment church, and I wore their garment. It didn't remove the anointing. I don't know if he added to it, but it certainly didn't remove. He didn't remove the anointing. It is part of the etiquette to, you know, associate with the people so that beyond the sight of God, in the sight of the people, your ministry will be embraced and accepted. Are we clear on that? Sometimes we tell you here how you should dress. Beyond whether it is a sin or not, we tell you the ethical principles that a dress code for a Christian should follow. Not just, is it a sin? When it comes to ethics, the question is not, is it a sin? Is it? It is about, is it appropriate? Is it befitting? Will it edify? Will it allow for acceptance? That's the major thing you're looking at. Not, is it a sin? There are many things that are not sinful, but they may not be ethical. Do you understand me tonight? So, with respect to several aspects of ministries, you must learn as a general Christian principle, and if you're in ministry, you must learn thoroughly the etiquettes, the etiquettes of these issues. There's an etiquette when you're dealing with younger ladies. I was telling my wife this. I get ridiculous lamentations from so many people who do not believe what the Bible says. You see, it is easy. Most of the sexual scandals that happen in ministry, people do not subscribe to basic ministry etiquette. It's easy. Paul told Timothy, or was it Titus he was talking to, when you see younger women, treat them as your sisters. When you see older women, treat them as your mother. Or when people want to do past themselves, people are smarter than scriptures, they get into unnecessary trouble. How will I treat my sister? How will I torture? How will I behave towards her, my own sister? There's no need for having unnecessary temptations here and there. It's unnecessary. But people don't subscribe to ethic, ethics or etiquette or for the ministry. They just feel that hey, no, I can do what I like. You do what I like, you get into trouble. So there are etiquette. Even if you don't get into trouble, some of the perception people will have about you will already be perverted. Because the ethics are not being followed. For a minister, the standards are high. Not just because of the sight of God, but also because of the sight of men. Let me show you a few scriptures to buttress this. Romans chapter 12 and verse 17. Romans 12 and verse 17. I'd like you to see how Paul um, gives his recommendations here. He says, Recompense to no man evil for evil, that is, don't revenge. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. In the sight of all men. Provide things that are honest. In other words, there's a way you can behave that you may say, God, since my heart, I don't have any bad intention. But in the sight of men, it's not honest. God sees all things. Men do not see all things. God sees your heart. Men do not see your heart. So you cannot just say, ah, my heart is clear. And if my heart is clear, then it's clean. No, sir. No, ma. In the sight of all men, honesty must also be affirmed. Are we clear with that now? Look at it in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 2. But I've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Paul says, as a minister of the gospel, 
I have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves. Look at the next statement, the next two points here. No, still on the same verse, please. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience. You say me, I have my own conscience, but other people have their own consciences too. And you must commend yourself, not just to your conscience, but to every man's conscience. That's, that's what ministry is about. You cannot say, well, my conscience is clear. If your conscience is clear, and your behavior does not make other people's conscience clear, you don't know the principles of ethics. You see, that's when I said, I didn't mean anything to you, too. I just said it. God knows that my heart is pure. Me too, my conscience is pure. But if other people's conscience are wrongly affected because of what you said or did, you have not commended yourself to every man's conscience, the analysis, in the sight of God. So we have man's conscience and then the sight of God. The minister of the gospel must be familiar with this truth. It is not enough to be clear in your conscience. Other people's conscience too should be as clear as possible. Now, of course, you cannot control people's conscience. Some people will still criticize you, even if you appear very pure. Some people are just very troublesome. They will still look for something to criticize and to talk about. However, do your best. Commend yourself in the sight of God and in every man's conscience. One more scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 21. Maybe we should start from verse 19 because it's something that actually affirms the context of our teaching. And not that only, but who also, or rather, but who was also choosing of the churches to travel with us with this grace. The phrase with this grace is talking about with money, travel with offerings, travel with church funds. Are we clear with that? Which is administered. Okay, put it in the NLT, just so that we can be clear. I don't need to start writing a commentary on this, but we can just read a newer version, and then we can just understand clearly from the reading. He was appointed by the churches to accompany us to take the offering to Jerusalem, a service that glorifies the Lord and shows our eagerness to help. Verse 20, we are traveling together to guard against any criticism for the way we are handling this generous gift. That's why we are traveling together. The financial ethics for this ministry insists that we will not travel alone with money. Because we don't want anybody to believe that, ah, they have turned church money to personal money. So even though it will cost extra sacrifice to travel with people, and I'm not just talking about transfer money, but people have to leave their work, leave their family just to travel with church offering. We will do it because we don't want any criticism. Are you following the wisdom here? So it's not enough to say, ah, no, ah, God sees my heart, me and pure. <laughs> there are ethical procedures to say, God sees my heart, yes, but woman beings don't see my heart. So that to guard against people's criticism, put it back in verse 20, please. That's where I'm still communicating. To guard against any criticism for the way we are handling. There's a way you can handle church money that will be criticized. There's a way you can handle it and you'll be commended. Ah, this person handles church money very well. There's a way you can handle it. You'll be criticized. You see pastors, for instance, using church money to do MMM. Say, if the thing chop, uh, now church to go enjoy them. Well, you don't know ethics. You know what I'm saying? That's not the question. 
How you handle church money? Very, very important. It's sacred money. Sacred money. You don't just handle it anyhow and say, as long as no is sin. So there's a way you can handle it and it will, it will be criticized. And there's a way you can handle it in a way that you'll be commended. Go ahead over strength one now, please. We are careful to be honorable before the Lord, but we also want everyone else to see that we are honorable. That's beautiful. Is that not beautiful? Before the Lord, we want to be honorable. But it doesn't stop at the Lord. We also want to be honorable before every other person. I told the school of ministry last week, some things you can say publicly may seem like it's okay now. There's nothing bad there. Before the Lord, it is pure. But before men, before human beings, who know that you're supposed to represent God, you are a man of God, it may not be honorable. So in being ethically accurate, you don't just consider the standards of God. You consider the standards of men. Because even if you have a message from God, men will not listen to you if your ethical behavior is not on point. They won't listen to you. It's not, see, it is not a sin to keep dreads. But if I'm in a culture like Africa, where keeping dreads is looked at as a pervert, corrupt thing, and I'm a minister, I may just avoid it. Not because it's a sin. It's not a sin to dye my hair. But if I'm in a culture like Africa where dying air now looks like a Yahoo boy, I may just avoid it. Because I want to be honorable, not just in the sight of God, but in the sight of men. Are we clear on that? So, ministerial ethics, very important, not just for the minister, for the believer, so they can understand the sacrifices your ministers make. And you can also understand some of the, you know, code of conduct that ministers have to live by as a sign that they are authentic and that they are serious. But we're talking about financial ethics tonight. And um, I want to mention about seven of these um, ethical principles and ethical guidelines. But let me say before I begin to mention them that when it comes to money issues, if you do not behave in a way that is ethically appropriate, ethically accurate, People may not give towards your ministry. People have to find you trustworthy before they commit their substance. I read a tweet the other day from somebody who may not even be a Christian. I don't know person's stance, but it's very heartbreaking that once ethical procedures are not in place, you empower and church people to have a voice. And the person said, stop giving church tithe and offering. Why did the person say that? He said, until the church in Nigeria takes persecution seriously. There are Christians killed in northern Nigeria. Khan does not say anything. PFN does not say anything. And they are organizing conferences, collecting money, doing programs that cost 3 billion naira. What is the problem? Somebody today, for instance, is trending on Twitter. The person has been arrested, I think, in Bauchi. Is facing execution according to Sharia law because the person defended a so-called blasphemy against Allah. The Sharia law is not supposed to apply on a Christian. But then, nobody is saying anything. PFN is not talking. Khan is not talking. You have so-called big men of God doing programs. Collect, raise your funds. Don't do what? Collect the title of it. Don't do what? It's, it's so heartbreaking. So when you see people now say, these people are thieves, don't blame them. Our ethical 
behavior gave them the audacity to talk like that. Is this? Somebody the other day was insulting a man of God, a comedian. We two day, we two day, we two day dance with rubbish. Outside the world has the, the guts to talk to us. So that if we don't subscribe to the ethics for finances, let's not expect anybody to honor us. Let's not expect anybody to give to us. We will raise more money. We will have more money if our ethical principles are good. If people are not trusting us, don't blame them. Let us become trustworthy. Let us end their trust. You don't believe people to trust you. You give them a reason to trust you consistently. There's a track record that this person is trustworthy. And it's not just about providing things honest in the sight of God. Providing things honest and honorable also in the sight of men. Then they can be trustworthy. Amen. Amen. Nobody will carry money to the bank just because it is called a bank. Many banks have collapsed. Many banks have folded up. There are many banks that are still involved in wicked, free criminal practices. Collecting for Nera on 1,000 customers every month. Thieves. One of the reasons why all these smaller banks in quotes, these OPE money points, became very popular was because the conventional banks were just dubious. Collect the kind of charges they collect. And if they do that across 100,000 customers, they have become wealthy. If people withdraw your money or withdraw their money from your bank, it's not to now be saying, eh, why are people not trusting us? You are not, not trustworthy. If people are not giving to your ministry, don't be angry. I've seen many people beg online, say we are doing ministry, uh, support us, and if they are not supported, they get angry. If people don't want to support God's work, maybe you have not proven yourself trustworthy. Maybe. If we prove ourselves trustworthy, funds will come. Glory to God. So that is a very important point and essence for this conversation. Now, a couple of things, or seven things rather. Very quickly, I'll just mention them and explain them. Ethics for ministry. Seven of them. The first and probably the most important financial ethics for ministry is don't do ministry to make money. Ministry is not a money-making platform. It's not a money-making career. This is why ministry is different from every other profession. Any other profession can be done as business. Ministry cannot be done as business. Ministry cannot and should not and must not be done for the purpose of making money. No. I'm very heartbroken when people, you know, a pastor, church leaders, after the service, the first thing they're asking is, what was the offering? A little like, is it a business? What, 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 why should that be your priority? How much did we make today? Pastor should not be using those such terms. How much did we make? Is it a money-making venture? Go and open shop now. Go to make money. The first ethical principle for ministry, don't do ministry for money. Whether you're a music minister, you're an instrumentalist, you say, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a minister of God, and you are doing it for money. No, sir. No, man. You can't. You will corrupt the message like that. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at First Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. Concerning the pastoral ministry, this is what Apostle Paul has to say. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 2. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Put it in another version. Let's see what filthy lucre means. 
for the flock of God that has, rather, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Any minister of the gospel who is more concerned about what they will get out of ministry is already corrupted, already perverted. He's going to end up like Balaam. He's going to end up like Gehazi. He's going to end up like Judas. He's going to end up like uh, Demas. The corruption of ministry fundamentally is that people are doing it for the wrong reason. It's not a money-making venture. I told you two weeks ago, pastoring is a very, very foolish path into money-making. You want to be a money... You want to possess money and you're doing pastoring? I mean, I mean come on. You were not told. So when I see a pastor complaining, there's no money, I'm like, what do you think ministry is? Don't do ministry for money, please. Don't do ministry for money. You cannot define, that's why you cannot define ministerial success based on how much did we make. I was telling the man of God just yesterday, you can't be saying, I am afraid, I have failed. I say, what's your definition of failure? Eh, I did not even get out of 15 people when I did ministry. I say, sir, that's not success. Ministry is not about how many people you have gathered and how much they can contribute. No. How many people did Jesus gather before he died? Come on. Today there are, as it were, officially over 3 billion believers. And he was crucified. Even all his 12 departed from him. They ran away. If you define success based on the people I have and how much they can give to me, I mean, you have failed. I'm a very... I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a failure as a minister, if that's the status, if that's the way it is measured. I'm a, what have I got out of ministry? Nothing. Virtually nothing. So if you're talking about, it is about what you have made, what you have gained, Peter says, don't do it for filthy lucre, don't do it for personal gain, but do it to serve the Lord. Second Corinthians 2.17, Paul says something that suggests that people are going to be corrupted if they don't have the right ethics for ministry. We are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. The phrase is as of sincerity. If you do not do ministry sincerely, which is doing it because you want to serve God, you will corrupt God's word. There are many sermons that are preached because the pastor is hungry, because the minister of God is twisting to end, to gain. There are many programs Seven Sundays of favor. Seven Sundays of breakthrough. I see the many programs that some churches do during Christmas and New Year time and I wonder, Kilo Day. Why are you stressing the people? Can't they go and rest? And in order to have the quality of it is to balance up the pastor's uh, welfare post. But what is it? Seven Sundays of, 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 of financial breakthrough. And all of that, they were talking about seed, 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 seed. This thing is, is criminal. We're in a criminal enterprise. Are you listening to me here? Yes, don't do don't do ministry for that. Don't do ministry for that. If you are doing it for money, you will corrupt the word. You will twist the word. Now let me say this. God rewards labor. Amen. Yes. God is a rewarder of labor. Paul says they that labor in doctrine should be counted worthy of double salary. So God considers ministry as in labor. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Paul says the laborer is worthy of his wages. God 
considers ministry as labor. Someone say, uh, anybody that's a pastor, it's a lie. You should go and look for work. Pastoring is work, it's labor in the sight of God. Uh-huh. So God will reward you for your labor. But to now do the work because of monetary reward is wrong. Is that clear? Don't do the work because of monetary reward. Many people don't understand the principles of world's creation. And even though ministry is not an avenue of world's creation, the principle still holds. Wealth or money flows in the direction of value. If you cultivate ministerial value, you will likely be blessed financially. Likely. It's not always guaranteed, but likely. If you cultivate ministerial value, people will likely, if you contribute to their spiritual growth, people will likely contribute financial, material, physical things to your life. Many church leaders, many pastors, many ministry men have learned how to raise money, how to take offering in a very scintillating, emotional way. It's not necessary. It's not a useful skill. There's nothing like anything, there's nothing in the Bible that teaches us how to raise offering in that sense. Instead, learn how to be a minister of value. If you are valuable to others, they will likely reciprocate the value. Somebody say, I have a fundraising anointing. If I go to anywhere like this, what they go give. Are you sure it's an anointing or it's a demonic enterprise, demonic skill? So don't learn how to raise money, not necessarily. Just learn how to preach the word if you're in ministry. Learn how to minister in song. Learn how to minister in instruments. Perfect your ministry potency, not your money-making potency. Because this is not a business venture. Hallelujah. Yeah. And if God will so have it, you will be rewarded. And if you are not rewarded on this earth, you will be rewarded in the world to come. Amen. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Second thing here. Don't flaunt wealth and luxury. It is not ethical for a minister to flaunt, show off wealth and luxury. You go to minister's conference, you go to Bible conferences, you hear some of the things that preachers say, you shake your head. This shoe is a crocodile shoe. It costs $3,000. If Amro Basna starts attacking pastors, you will be asking why. Why would they not attack pastors? And cut their leg with the shoe out. I'm not saying you cannot wear a three thousand dollars crocodile shoe. Well, you are not supposed to buy that with your money. But if you are giving, you should first of all think about selling it. What if you cannot find a buyer? You can wear it. Oh yes, there are some gifts if you are giving. You shouldn't think about it as a minister. It's not ethical to actually use it. It's so it's vanity. You should think about can I sell it? Then if you cannot buy a buyer, when you wear it, Mark Pariu, don't shout. This watch I got from Dubai. Rolex, the Rolex Pro Max. 10,000 US dollars. You're a fool for talking like that. You don't flaunt wealth. It's not ethical. You, you, you should never be caught flaunting wealth. It's not ethical. The minister should not flaunt that. If I told you wear it, wear it humbly. Wear it soberly. Where is remembering that what is on your hand can feed 1,000 children in Meiduguri for three weeks? It should make you sober, not arrogant. Are you listening to me here? When you see a preacher of the word, a musician, flaunting wealth, and I mean on anything, even 
basic things such as somebody buys car, he now snaps with it, say the grace of Jesus. It is not ministerially appropriate. You should stop it. No. And musician press his leg up like this, say Timberland. Say that Jesus do him. You don't know what ministry is. Get out. What are you doing? Fronting wealth is not allowed in ministry. These are things that the Orthodox priests have mastered. You don't see an Orthodox priest wearing a suit. I say, this suit, check the label. Check the label. You don't see those. In fact, they don't wear any... That's one of the reasons they, they don't wear regular clothes. They wear a uniform. So that you don't have anything to flaunt. The same thing, the Kerebooms and the Anglicans and some of those other... There's nothing you can flaunt because now only one white clothes you can wear. Bishop, as rich as he is, he wears one uniform. White suit, the red tie. That's the principle. What are you flaunting? What are you flaunting? I was still watching <laughs> a man of God. And he's a man of God, but he's unfortunate. He said, this wristwatch. I think he said it costs more than it costs more than his house. Sir, you don't have to say that. Why are you saying it? What do we gain by hearing that kind of information? Don't flaunt wealth. Amen. Amen. Let me break it down. Because these things, we are very guilty of it. It's the same thing when you see us host conference. And I, I, many people are guilty. And some of them do it without any intention to front away. But it's still wrong. When they now show the convoy of seven sparkling cars, say the entrance of the man of God is wrong, sir. Somebody say, Jesus entered triumphantly into Jerusalem. Why, why, do we like, why do we like twisting scriptures to justify our carnality? Ministry is not showbiz. Sacred work. A man of God should approach the people weeping, with heavy hearts, with sober souls. It's not a place to flaunt the, the fleet of cars that you have been blessed with. Every time people go to the airport, they take selfies. Ministers of God. Say, invasion. Tanzania will never be the same. This thing you are doing is flaunting. Because when you went... So if you are going to a bush, will you take selfie too? But now, now aircraft everywhere set, private jet. See, man of God is on his way for impact. <laughs> I've been on the plane a couple of times. I have never felt it worthy to take a picture there. Never. It always feels awkward for me. <laughs> why take a picture? When I'm entering through bus, why take a picture? So now that I'm entering through plane, why am I taking a picture? It's just to show off, it's to show a higher level that yes, the ministry is going to the permanent site. All those things are just carnality. You are fronting wealth, it's not fitting for a minister. Are we clear on this? Yeah. Many young ministers are not learning from the right people, unfortunately. Reverend Joseph Adiboy has gone to maybe over 130 countries of the world, 130. I have never seen any picture of him on the airplane. Just lives his life. You see people flaunting wealth. Reverend George is crazy rich. Ah, Papa is rich. The number of houses that man has in Europe, I don't know. You can't see him talk about it or flaunt it. The man was going to buy a car. So he went to the place to check. I think he told us this in one of our broadcast messages here. The car we had to buy was a customized vehicle. Everything is cha-cha, everything is customized, the tire, the steering, everything. So go ask him, what are you doing? 
You say, I want to buy this car. It's my 50th birthday gift. God say, okay, I've heard. You know when God asks you a question? He say, do you have sense? Do you have sense? It's not saying I don't know where you say, sure, lock all the buy. So go ask me again. When, was I, when I went to the place to make the purchase, what are you doing? George? Say, I want this. My 50th birthday, I want to celebrate life. Because they don't do it. Don't do it. This money, gather it, and I think he said, use it as a loan, a loan capital for those who want to do business in your church. So he gathered all the money, thousands of dollars, and put it in an account. And said, anybody that wants to collect a loan for business, some of the people collected and did not return it. But uh, that's the ethics of a minister. Instead of buying the best car, I think it was a Rolls Royce, a customized Rolls Royce, that was what he, he liked the car. When you see men of God flaunting things, you just know they were not trained well. Jesus will never flaunt anything. Never. Never flaunt anything. I told you in the beginning, wealth is not a trophy to be displayed. It's an errand. It's an errand boy. It's a servant. To be flaunting wealth, showing off wealth, it is not good. Amen. Yeah. Avoid every form of showmanship. If a building costs $3 billion, we don't have to hear about it. This building here, $30 billion. Why? It's just stone and sand. There's nothing to it. There were great Orthodox churches in the early church history that have become museums now. Built with gold, that have become museums. <laughs> I mean, we did church history, and I told you of a man of God. The first place he preached is now a mosque. And he was, the first place he preached, he's a missionary. A missionary to a Muslim country. And the first place he preached in, a church, several years later, has now become a mosque. Why would he be flaunting buildings and be bragging about it? What is it? In Matthew 24, the apostles came to Jesus and were talking about the buildings. He said, not one stone will remain on each other. In the last day, everything will be destroyed. There are things a Christian and a minister is not supposed to brag about. The only thing you should brag about are things available only in Christ. Amen. Private jet, the unbeliever can get it, so don't brag about it. Your great car, the unbeliever can get it, don't brag about it. We thank God for comfort of life, but some of the testimonies that we share, sometimes they are more of flaunting wealth than thankful to than being thankful to God. Why, why flaunt wealth? Just it's a, it's a it's a tool, just use it. Don't flaunt it, don't brag about it, don't boast about it because necessary. Amen. Yeah. I'm not against car dedication, like I said some time ago. But I also believe we can also do phone dedication. If it's about, why not dedicate the car and not dedicate the phone? Maybe because you think the car is of higher value. It's an idolatry of wealth. Everybody should come out. Everybody should come out to, want to dedicate this car. For what? You should come out and dedicate your car. The whole church dance together, put an engine oil on it. Excesses. You are floating well. It's not necessary. Are you following me tonight? Yeah. All right. Please, so this one of showmanship, let us note it. Let us note it. I'm not against taking pre-conference pictures, but where it is showmanship, let's avoid it. I see people take pictures, even of the men of God in their hotels. The toothpaste that they will use. 
Snap it. You can catch it by the first time they do it. They'll snap it. They'll post it. Of what use is that information? <laughs> Say the man of God is in town. The eagle has arrived. You snap his face away, snap his pants off. Eh, John, what he what for? You post it. That's how we know he has arrived. It's a waste. There's no need. To, we don't want to see. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Number three. Ministerial ethics for the minister. Financial ethics for the minister. Don't do unnecessary programs and conferences that would lead to excessive spendings. Some churches are always doing special programs. Seven nine off, seven Sunday off, three days off. And this thing gobs money because you invite guests. You now tax the church. They must contribute. They must pay this. They must do that. Why? Many churches are blessed, actually. But they don't know that they are blessed because there's a devourer of excessive special programs. Every program, you must call a, a great music minister who will charge you one million naira. That money can, can help the, some, some missionaries. But you won't support missionaries. So you're trying to grow the church. Churches don't grow by special programs. Any growth that is a special program growth is not an organic one. When the people come to attend the program because of the special man of God, they will leave. They won't stay. Grow the church, it may be slow, but it will be genuine. Organically. Hallelujah. Amen. So, cut out excessive spendings. Be prudent with church funds. Some programs are unnecessary. Unnecessary. Really, it's just a waste of time, a waste of money. Some people want to do programs so that, you know, as a means of publicity. A program should not be a means of church publicity. It should be to edify the house. When they put your picture with a God general, you feel good. You know, you and, you, you and the God general on the same flyer makes you feel good. You're already corrupted. So ah, this church carry weight to see them who they bring. They bring sinash. They carry weight to. Now that's not how it's supposed to be. But of course, one of the reasons this is also, I will explain it in the in the um, maybe the fourth or fifth point. Because many ministers too have become very perverse in their thinking. But the church should not allow for such environment where there's excessive. I always tell everybody to do any program. I say, keep the budget as low as possible. As low as possible. Amen. Amen. We thank God for light, smoke for our music concerts. But keep the budget as low as possible. Some things are not important. They are luxury. The Holy Ghost does not need those things. Keep the budget as low as possible. Many Christian church uh, people hire, what they spend on? Hiring sound system, hiring smoke, hiring smoke machine, hiring light. Huh? If you give a missionary these things, they will, they will, pray, they will pray for you forever. And we spend money on frivolities. Keep the budget as low as possible. Church is not showbiz. The value of a church is in spiritual resources, not aesthetic decorations. Spiritual resources. If a church will meet under a tree and the people are growing spiritually, it is better than meeting in a wild 
excessively decorated hall where they are not learning anything. Please. Glory to God. Be prudent with spendings. Be prudent with spending. It's not everything that you can afford that you should afford. Just because you can buy it does not mean you should buy it. Just because you can spend it does not mean you should spend it. Sometimes, just tell yourself, it's not how urgent is this, how important is this, how we, how we need to bless the people. And overlook it. Glory to God. All right. Number four. Learn contentment as a pastor. Learn contentment. Pastoral greed and covetousness is a plague in our generation. As a minister of the gospel, learn contentment. There are many, particularly music ministers, I feel for them, because they are not taught distance. I feel for them. A music minister is not happy that he's taking Okada to his, the place where he minister. So he goes to hire a limousine. That's a simple show there. Just to hire a limousine. So that what? So that when they see that he came with the limousine, they will increase the honorarium. These are covetous practices. Are you listening to me? For yeah. several years in ministry, I did not have a car. And I went to places. Say, how are you coming, sir? How am I coming? I'm coming by a public vehicle. Say, okay, sir. It reduces my what in your eyes? No problem. <laughs> I don't, I, that's... Come on, my, my existence, my value cannot be measured by those things. How can, how can I, a man of God, my value will not be in the kind of car I use when I came with bike or cocaine and pepper. Came in donkey or came in chariots. Oh, that does not mean anything to me. How I preach now that I have a car, it's not different from how I preach when I was coming in. Uh, the only difference is that maybe I, I don't sweat because AC of car may cool me. And I've driven the car to places where there are no AC, so this was no wound like here now. Even if I don't sweat in the car, I still sweat here. What difference does it make? But covetousness, greed. A minister must learn contentment. Don't compare yourselves to your rich contemporaries. And that man of God has been serving Jesus just for two years. Now he has two cars. Me, I've been serving him for ten years. I don't want a bicycle. Why? How should that be your problem? Many ministers have entered the era of Balaam because of this issue. Don't marry a materialistic spouse as a minister. And if your spouse is materialistic, begin to educate them. Nobody marries a materialistic spouse. He will, I was listening to a friend of mine, Pastor Silas. And I was saying, if he, if he marries if he had married an actress, a Nollywood actress, that her makeup lesson, the church offering for three weeks will not be able to buy it. Because the actress has to maintain a celebrity status. So they will be doing special programs to raise money. They will be preaching about seed sowing, seed sowing, breakthrough, financial breakthrough. Because, and they will know that it's because pastor's wife, her makeup, is 2.5. Amen. Yeah. Your spouse will affect you. 
There's no, you cannot, it's a cross you will carry. Nobody is saying you should maltreat your spouse. Amen. Yeah. My wife believed in me when I didn't have bicycle. When we used to come to church, I remember in particular January, I did not even, I could not even afford bike every day to church. So I would carry Perez on my chest and trek to and fro church because I must be in church every day. What are you talking about? <laughs> I paid my dues. And nobody knew it was because they thought I was doing exercise. I calculated the transfer money. I said, this money, every day to church, I can't afford it. I can't. So I'll carry my boy on a carrier. All the streets knew us. Ah, I'm more daddy. Because if I remember, we always assume seeing a man carry a baby. They thought it's only a woman that should carry a baby. They will see me carrying him on my, on my, on my chest. I'm more daddy. I'm more your daddy. Ah, Kale. I don't feel inferior because of that. If I was born in the year 1753, where there were no automobiles, what would I do? I'll use a donkey. If I cannot afford a donkey, what would I do? I'll use a goat. We are very solved these issues. Convertiousness, greed. I'm not saying now that we can use them, we should not use them. But for you to not be convertious, you know, equating or, or marking your ministry based on. How many automobiles you have? A machine. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you know that there are villages where there are no motorable roads? And people are doing ministry there. You can't even drive your car. Even if you have a Rolls Royce. Because you can't. There's no road. Now for Bush, you won't, you won't carry a Rolls Royce. People are doing ministry there. Does it make them inferior? Come on. We are greedy, you are covetous, and you are married a wife who say. Yeah, I did not come to this life to come and suffer. You will now go and collect loan. They will now send your, your number to 14 church members. Do that a lot of my with a magic number. <laughs> it's only not 70,000 naira. Please, warn him or else we will say that he raped a church member. Why? All this unnecessary. What, what for? Can't you just be content? Hallelujah. I have never done past my mouth. I don't, I don't, I see the audacity people use collect loans, take loans, borrow. I just, what, what's for? Ministry? No, I don't do ministry like that. Oh. Whatever I have, I use. Amen. Amen. Young men, learn this thing. Especially one of you guys, you borrow tie, borrow lapel, borrow suit. Guy, can you see? Why? You don't have, come buy or don't, don't, don't use. Borrow suits, borrow tie. I had two shirts and two trousers when I was at university. Two shirts, two trousers. And I used it. My matriculation picture, I did not even go to matriculation. Okay, I went. No, I went. It was convocation I did not go for. I, the only convocation picture I had, I took it in front of my wife's hostel. And I borrowed, um, I borrowed gown. Because I did not, did not give me gown. Multigraduate, you can't carry over. But me, convocation. Give me. Well, you can buy, can buy suits. Tell your brother to go and buy suits for you. Three piece suits. You're, you're not even guaranteed a job after this. After this, you, you study you Yoruba engineering. Yoruba engineering. That you come because you buy three piece suits. What is this nonsense? I don't, I don't do that. If you don't believe that I, I passed because I didn't come, okay, that's your headache. And I'm coming for NYC. Motivate, motivate, father. That's your business. I don't do more than myself. Amen. Amen. Learn it as a young man. 
We saw the same tie on you. We saw the another person. We saw the another person. It's not looking good. Come on. Where what you have? Now tie you no get you no keep a sin. Amen. Yeah. What you have? Don't don't be a cop. They just person at your age. You're too old. You're too young for this kind of thinking. I don't use what I don't have. What I don't have? See, I don't I don't use what I don't have. When I didn't have a car, there were one or two members of the church who did not have a car. I really, when I was take, I would take my wife to Antinata. They entered a taxi that was beside a, a man who was his, his, our neighbor. Collect the taxi. The thing will be smelling fuel, smelling oil. Now, what we get? Sometimes we come up, but it's not available. We enter bike. People will, you know, when they see a pastor, they'll be doubling on the road and the man is on bike. PJ, sir, PJ, sir. The back man will say, ah, your money is no more 200, no, 300. Because you're going to say, you're I think he must. I will not call the church and say, I want to go to Antinanta. Give me your car. I, no, no, I don't. What I have, what I have. What I don't have, I don't use. One of them now said, okay, we're going to be picking me every Sunday morning. I, I never asked for it. He said, oh, every Sunday PJ should not be. No problem. But if he's not available, rain is falling, I enter. I come to the church. I was there, I came to the church. No car. I'm, I'm not, you cannot kill me. Are you listening to me? Yes, Learn this thing. I'll be disgracing the ministry because you collect loan, you collect this one, collect that Do MMM, do Naira bet. Oh. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Be content. Philippians chapter 4. I should be quoting much, much scriptures to portray these issues because they are not just personal sentiments, they are biblical sentiments. Philippians 4. Paul says, I have learned in all situations to be content. Look at it in verse 11. Not that I speak in regard to a need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. A minister must learn how to be hungry. Amen. Amen. It's part of your training. It's part of your calling. Paul was giving his CV. He says, by hunger. Hunger uh, is part of your CV as a minister. A minister who has never been hungry, pot belly everywhere, eating four times a day. It may not be trustworthy. People are not going to give you money if they see that you are very careless in spendings. No. They should not actually. When you give a minister money, you are saying, I have noticed you are prudent, so I'm trusting you with these funds. Yeah. That's what you are saying. And that's why I, I'm always ashamed when I see Christians take their money to people who don't deserve their money. See, what is the agreement with that person? That person, ah, Abba. I'm not saying it's not a man of God, but it's not worthy of your money. If you know what it does with that money, it's not worthy of it. Give money to put them, put that you know that this one is not greedy. If I give him one naira, it will count for heaven. It will count for his stomach, it will count for heaven. Are you listening to me here? Know how to be hungry. Know how to be hungry as a minister. Let me move on because of time. Number five, don't insist on your right as a minister of the gospel. It is your right, for instance, to live off the gospel. That is, the monies that the church generates should cater for you as the pastor, as the minister. It is your right. Let me read this from scripture so you can understand what I mean from the Bible. First Corinthians chapter 9. And verse, let's start from verse 
3. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 3. My answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not the power, the word power is a right to eat and to drink? <clears throat> Have we not the right to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? Who goes to warfare any time at his own charges? Who planted a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feeded a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, that is, is it a personal opinion, or says not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Does God take care for oxen? Or said he altogether for our sakes, for our sakes, no doubt. This is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that treasureth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, and not we rather, nevertheless we have not used this power, or we have not used this right, but suffer all things or endure all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Now, so there's a way you can hinder the gospel of Christ by insisting on your rights as a minister. You can hinder. The gospel of Christ can be hindered. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live off the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Put that in the NLT. Verse 13 in the NLT, and then we read on also in the NLT downwards. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? Is that not so? Is that not so? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. Verse 14. In the same way, the Lord has ordered, or the Lord ordered, that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yes, I have never used any of these rights. This is Paul speaking here. And I am not writing these things to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Paul says it is my right to be paid. But I don't use my right. As a man of God, I understand what Paul is saying. I was telling a couple of folks, I said, I've been in this church pastoring for a couple of years. I have never used my right. It was in this church I buried my father. I never used my right. I say I bring the offering, no, I want to go and do burial. I'm the pastor. It was in this church I got married. I never used my right. I say, ah, how can pastor be getting married and uh, will, will not take from? I don't use my right. It was in this church I gave back to my child. I never used my right. I don't use my right. Not because if it's my right, I can use it. Why don't? <laughs> because I'm learning from Paul. <laughs> don't use your rights. As a minister of the gospel, when you see a Christian musician goes to sing in a place, they gave me 50k. You say, uh, this one that like you gave me is not enough now. What is wrong with you? Yes, you have a right to be paid, but you don't use it. It's not ethical to use it. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. I have never and I will never. My wife will be 30 in a few weeks' time. I have not opened committee. 
Hey, mama, it's tatty. I don't do that. I don't do that. I was tatty too. Some years, I never. <laughs> it's not because I cannot. Well, no, I'm reading the scripture. I'm learning the scripture. I'm living by the scripture. I am not going to be better off for it as it were. That is, some of the things I'm supposed to gain, it will elude me. But I will maintain the audacity of a man who forfeits his rights. There are audacities in ministries you can never command if you don't forfeit your rights. <laughs> so nobody can come and miss me and say, eh, it's not we that are taking care of you. You, who and who are the we? You and who? You, you and who? So when I speak to anybody or correct anybody or rebuke anybody, nobody can say, eh, I'm not the one who is feeding me. Where? How? When? There are audacities you cannot command if you don't learn to forfeit your rights. Are you listening to me here? There are some you can't preach if the church is feeding you. Hey! Repent will not, will not come from your mouth because if they get angry, offering will drop. Offering levels will not uh, be high. So you will be very careful. You don't want to offend your sponsor. <laughs> Forfeit your rights. There are ministers of the gospel. <laughs> I was listening to somebody speak about um, Minister Theophilus Sunday. <laughs> he was going to be invited to a place. He didn't want to go because he, he did not really like what they were going to do there. But his father, I think, told him to go. So he went there. Minister like a warrior. You know the way sometimes Theophilus ministers. <laughs> ministers almost like a prayer machine and a music minister. And walked out. Say, ah, hey, won't you take? I don't want. I don't need it. That's not why I came here. Ah, but he has, he has made a statement. And of course, they may not invite him again. Because he must have really called their bluff. He must have really broken their tables. But that's how a minister is supposed to be. Now you're not going to the place. Now say, so that they'll give me more money. Let me be say, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will prosper you. You will go from meanwhile. I'm supposed to say, repent, or you die. Or you can't talk because your mouth they don't padlock them with money. Are you following me here? As a minister, don't insist on your rights. If your right comes, receive it. But to be insist on it, somebody says, I'm PJ. You are blessed me. I want to bless you. I will connect. But to be insist on it, I don't. Nah, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. It's not the way to go. Amen. Amen. One of the ways you don't insist on your rights is by getting a job. These are principles from scriptures. Paul, for instance, was a tent maker. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse six to nine. First Corinthians, first Thessalonians, rather. Look at what Paul says. Not of men such will glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been bodysome as the apostles of Christ. That is, we could have demanded certain things from you as the apostles of Christ. But we did not. Or we were gentle amongst you, even as a nurse, cherished our children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have impacted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travel, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you who preached unto the gospel, unto you the gospel of God. Put it in the NLT, just verse 9.
Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you night and day with child to earn a living so that we will not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news. You see that? The advantage of ensuring that your man of God is well catered for is that he will focus only on ministry. And he most likely will be able to bless you more. But if for any reason the man of God notices that the people are not responding the way they should, he should not now insist on his right. He should just go and do something else that can cater for him. It should not be a burden to the people. I told you last week, I get more financially blessed outside this local church than I do from the local church. I mean, I mean, my, my fuel budget in a week, last one, <laughs> the truth is that the church cannot afford it. The church cannot afford it. So I have to find another way, another way. It does not have to be, listen, when I say get another job, it does not have to be a regular secular job. It could be other ministry jobs. Some people write books. Reverend George, all these books, they are sold not for personal consumption. They are recycled back to the ministry. All these tapes that he sells, the, the funds are recycled back to the ministry. The church at Elori, our offerings, I am in the system, our offerings could not power the diesel for one week. Yes. Because the church does a lot of things. There's a time the church was doing ninth class for students. Not church members, so anybody, so students, putting at that time, you walk in, you read. With diesel. You know what diesel is? There's a time they were going to give them tea so I do not sleep. Say, take, as you're reading, take tea and be sipping it. It's not your offering that powers that. But the church, Reverend George, not just the church, the, the man, when he sells CDs, when he sells books, he recycles it back to the ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So you can do other things. I have a ministry that transcends beyond Ramachapoli Kumosho. And many times, the blessing I receive from there, if I used to come and bless you away, the financial things I get from there, I used to come and bless you away. But I'm not going to insist on my rights and become bodysome to you. No, that's not the way. So some people write books. Some people um, do other things that may be ministerially inclined, but it's different from their pastoral job. But the principle is don't insist on your rights. Amen. Amen. Number six. Don't idolize the wealthy. Don't idolize the wealthy. It's not ethical as a minister to idolize the wealthy. One way, or one way people idolize the wealthy is that they have special packages for wealthy believers. You should not organize a program and you say there's gold card, silver card, bronze card, a gospel program, a Christian program, a music concert, a gospel music concert. It's a shame. Don't do that. So the poor have a seat. The rich have a seat in a church. You don't do that. There's a sentiment in Philippians chapter 4, and I taught it last week. Paul prayed a special prayer for the Philippian church because they were generous to him. But that does not mean, for instance, there will be special programs that is only for those who can afford it. For instance, somebody says, I want to organize a conference, and anybody that's going to attend that conference is a special conference. Okay? And if you want to attend that conference, sow a thousand dollar seed. People say things like only our partners can attend this program. But be careful. Be careful. You may be merchandising the gospel. Jesus never said only 
I'm organizing a conference or a crusade and only the women that service my post should attend. Never. Of course, the women who service this post automatically will end certain blessings just because you are generous to the ministry of Jesus. There are certain things that are going to come to you, actually. But when you are now merchandising, idolizing the wealthy, you know, that's why you should not do anything like uh, this particular breakthrough. People that have $500 come and sow into it. No. So if I cannot afford $500, I don't have access to the breakthrough after Jesus has died for me. It's not fair. Don't idolize the wealthy. Amen. Amen. Don't make your ministry affordable only to the rich. Music ministers are fond of these things. So, now, have you noticed that all your, all your celebrity musicians, only big church, they invite them. Are you saying that it's only big churches that God is? It's because they have created a system where only the rich churches can afford them. And it's not biblical. That's why, I'm sorry to say, but let me say it now. Many of the top programs, top church conferences in Nigeria, I don't read it. I don't read it for two reasons. Number one, the, when I see a conference that only invites a rich preacher, I put a question mark on the integrity of the conference. Why does a conference hold and only the rich minister on the pulpit? Why? Are you saying there are no missionaries who are poor, work in rural areas, they are not known, renowned in name, but they are not, they are, they are, they are, and they are, they are not potent, or rather, they, they, are, they are not known, but they are potent. Are you saying that until you are wealthy, your potency status is questionable? I don't read such programs. I don't read such meetings. I don't read such conferences. And I don't care who goes there. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't. Because you are, you are, what you are doing is you are idolizing the wealthy. Wealthy ministers and wealthy Christians. Oh, yeah. Are you listening to me? And actually, there are even ministers of the gospel who are actually wealthy, but they don't flaunt the wealth. You can't tell me a man like Billy Akon is poor. But he doesn't flaunt it. So you will not invite him. You can't invite him. Because when they see him on the flyer, he doesn't add to the people that will come. Come on. I don't read, I don't read those conferences. I don't. No matter who goes there, no matter who attends it, I don't read it. Because when I see that, oh, this is all about wealth, the wealthy, the influential, the wealthy, ah. Now, then what? Are you sure it's the gospel? If Paul was in our generation, he would not be invited by most of the conference. Yes, he would not. Because Paul, he would not snap himself in his rosary and say, the ministry is going forward. He won't. He won't. He won't do that. He won't put the caption, stadiums are filled. Paul won't do that. Paul won't do that. Paul won't do that. So, only those who flaunt success are now the mainstream ministers. Oh, really? <laughs> That's why you see many ministers learning marketing gimmicks. Now, to market your product. Is it a business? Glory to God. These things are very gray areas. But younger generation, I'm not talking to the fathers, so the fathers have done their thing, they don't, thing. They don't listen to me. You, who may have a call tomorrow, or who has a call, be careful. Be careful. Don't idolize wealth. Don't idolize the world. People say, ah, God told me to bring this man of God. God has never told you to bring a man of God that is poor. The God I know, he has never told you to bring a man of God that is not 
popular in the media circles. Ah, Enkombeo. All the men of God, God tell you, they are, they are luxuriously wealthy. There are, there are no men of God who are not popular, famous, rich, and authentic men of God. Miko, ah, ah. hey. just continue with your carnality. Don't bring God into it. Don't bring God into it. When last did somebody invite a music minister? On the on the truth. I mean, I was <laughs> I was in the conference just last year. It was relevant to Apostle to this meeting. The minister that came to sing, nobody knows her. I said, this is ministry. Apostle Tolu only saw one video of her singing a hymn. And the only go say, that's your music minister for the minister's conference. Nobody knows her. Has no name, has no fame, has no followers. That's, that's, that's when you know a man is doing ministry, not showbiz. Not showbiz. Are you following me here? So, these are, these are the things that the world is watching and they laugh at us that this is, they are doing business. <laughs> See, they are doing business. It's a, it's a cult of wealth. Have you noticed the kind of people that they invite to their conferences? Have you seen? Have you seen? It's a cult of wealth. So they laugh at us when we raise money because they feel that we are raising money to fund our greed. Glory to God. Why? Right. Lastly, have and maintain financial accountability. In other words, keep an open book. Let people know the financial status and state of the church. That's what we read in our opening text, 1 Corinthians 16.3. Paul says, I will travel with people with the money. I will keep an open book. People can know how much we collected and how much we delivered. There are witnesses to this things. Keep an open book. Be accountable to the people. When I see a man of God, the account name to his ministry account is his personal name. I say, this one is not serious. You're not serious. You should separate personal funds from church funds. This. I saw that and I was very, I was very angry. There was actually a Ramachapul church I saw. And they will start, start offering on their Facebook page. I saw the pastor's name, the pastor's personal account. I said, hey! Tight and offering! Pastor's personal account. What's happening? Did they close the corporate account? Did they close the church account? I'm not saying we should not give to pastors. People call me. <laughs> one day I missed out to one, <laughs> to one lady. It was a Zoom meeting. All the way from Germany. So I said, oh, man of God, we are so blessed. Can we have your church account? I said, eh? So, oh, your church account. I said, wait, oh. My church account is not my account, oh. So what do you mean? I said, oh, I'm an under-shepherd. I work for a ministry. So if you send, if I don't get a lot, I don't actually get a lot. I'm not one of the What's the word? I'm one of the city people. I'm not, I'm not the number. So whatever you give, I don't know. <laughs> I don't see it. It's for sure, sure. You know, look at me. You know, it's a, I'm, I'm blessed person to do that. Blessing person to do that is not Raman Chapo account. If you don't have my personal account number, you're not blessing me. Actually, you don't know. Let me tell you emphatically. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this to my, my pastor, and you're using Raman account. <laughs> it's not me. You are giving the money. 
I don't even know what goes there. I don't. <laughs> I separate personal funds from church funds. Are you listening to me? It's two different things. So, if somebody is doing ministry, personal account and church account, same personal name, nobody's going to take it seriously. <laughs> if you are blessing the church, you are blessing the church. There are people that have called me and say, Ah, Pastor, oh, you prayed for me. Since I've become well, can I have the church account details? I don't even bother explaining. I just say, Take. They're not coming to me. They say, Pastor, you did not even bless me after I sent you the money. I say, What did you ask for? Church accounts. It's not my personal account. I don't know what goes in there. You have blessed the church, not me. Ah, I did not know. Oh, now you know. But we are not going to withdraw the money and give it to Bruno. No. There are many people who have been blessed by my ministry and they say, we want to support the church. I don't say, ah, I'm going to take my personal account. No, that's the church account. Bless the church. Many of them think actually that I own the church. I don't own the church. It's the church. The church is the church. It's collecting funds. It's not personal funds. You see Paul, he not say, eh, hey, you are bringing the money. I will hold it. No. He said, you can send people self that will monitor the money. When they collect the offerings here, you can ask the ushers. They, have, they are the ones that have the books. They have the records. It's the tokens here. You can collect and say, hey, how much was Titus? You can call her. She knows. I don't know. She knows because she has the records. I don't know. Do you understand me? Transparency. Accountability. And bring the offering to my house. Why? Why? Why should they bring it to your house? <laughs> pastor, the pastor opens the church. He makes his wife the treasurer. <laughs> Except there is no other trustworthy person. Something's wrong. Do you know something? Something's wrong. Your wife does not have to be the treasurer. Or there are cases where the wife can be the treasurer, probably because there's another trustworthy person. The church is an infant's church. And uh, maybe. Ah, okay. <laughs> my, my, my notes are closed and I cannot find this, but I think that was the last point. <laughs> So let me just close my notes all the same. If you learn something. We trust that you've been blessed by this teaching. We look forward to receiving your testimonies, prayer requests, and feedbacks. You can send us a mail at judamaye at yahoo.com. That is J-U-D-A-H-M-A-Y-E at yahoo.com. Till next time, remain in the consciousness of God's word and power. Thank you.